chill, more relaxed, more willing to like make mistakes, lean into the mistakes, live in my mistakes and keep going. And I think that's how I've been able to like continually develop while I'm away. Me leaving the States was such a good thing for me because the person that I am right now is so different from the person I would have been. And I wouldn't have met this version of myself had I stayed in the States. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name? where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business. Sure. Um, hi, my name is Devin. Um, I go by Ready, Set, Fro for the purposes of the internet. I am from Virginia, D.C. area, and I am currently living in Costa Rica. I think, is that all? Was those all the questions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, Devin, what are the questions? <laughs> Um, so you're in Costa Rica. So when you first left the United States of America, it's been about eight years now, hasn't it? Yes, I have lived outside of the the country for eight years, which is crazy when I say it out loud, because I was only going to leave for three months. (laughs) So what was your first destination? Where did you where did you fly to first? So um, in college, uh, one of my majors was Spanish, and I thought I spoke Spanish. I shortly learned after moving to a Spanish-speaking country, I did not. Um, So I wanted to go to Costa Rica because at the time, this was like almost a decade ago, Costa Rica wasn't really popping. It wasn't like the spot to go to, Um, and it was the cheapest flight I could find. So I actually flew down here for three months um, because... I wanted to warm up. I was originally going to move to Spain, but they couldn't, my job didn't start until June. And I wanted to leave in January because I had told everyone I was leaving in January. So I came here to Costa Rica. And so something miraculous happened in Costa Rica. <laughs> you got the best, um, what are they called? Tachki? You got the best like Tachki. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are the, what are they called? I don't buy them. So, like when you go into a tourist shop, 
and you get a souvenir. You got the best souvenir. Souvenir, yeah. Wow, it took a long time. <laughs> a I don't even know what a chachki is. I think I just. Me neither, but that was really funny. <laughs> like, how did how was that the word you remembered, but you couldn't get? No, it must have been in something I watched recently. <laughs> but you got the best souvenir yes. of all. You did get the best souvenir. I did. So it wasn't my original like plan. I was going to be here for three months and I was set on that. And then, you know, I went to a cookout <laughs> and there was this tall little Latina man, <laughs> not little, he was a normal sized Latina man. And, um, but normal Latino men are not <laughs> tall. So. Right? so he was a taller than average. Latino okay. Man. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But yeah, so, um, yeah, so uh, we actually met and we were, you know, the, I always say this, the like, the second language pickup line is like having an intercambio or like a language exchange. That's like how, you know, guys hit on you when they don't speak the language. Um, and, and then he kept trying to get a little like, you know, flirty. And I was like, listen, I'm leaving. So don't fall in love with me. This isn't a thing. I travel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now he's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it was like okay cool you travel that's cool I'll get a passport like literally he didn't have a passport when I met him and in like the month our first month he was like I gotta get a passport because you said you travel I was like what and you were like yes yeah. you do because <laughs> I'm like, about I mean, that life right you're moving way too fast bro like you can get a passport if you want that for you <laughs> It was like, yeah, come on, Devin, you trying to play hard. <laughs> you know you fell in love I with that. I did. Mm. Well, it was funny. I didn't at first because you, he, if he, if he were here, he would tell you. Like I remember, um, he tried to hold my hand. We we're walking down the street, and I was like, "Don't hold my hand." Like I was real hard to get. Like it's like, <laughs> don't hold my hand in public. I don't want people. Like I was like, I, you know, I'm single. I don't want people to think that I'm taken. Like don't hold my hand. Like, <laughs> and this was the this was the time that he was walking with me at like. 11 o'clock at night to go to the ATM to get dollars out because I was leaving to go to Panama the next day. And he was like, I can't hold your hand, but I'm over here doing all of this. All right, girl. Well, it all worked out. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Uh, I just looked up tchotchke because I had no idea what it actually is. And it's a Yiddish word for trinkets and collectibles. (laughs) That was just so funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he got you a tour, Latino tour, Costa Rican. Um, it's funny because he's so like, so Costa Rica. You know, they have like black people here. Costa Rica is like the states essentially. They have like redheads, black people. Like I've walked up to someone that I thought like in my heart was a white person, and they looked at me like Como, and I was like, oh. You're from here. <laughs> sorry. In my heart, I thought you were a white person. I'm sorry. Lo siento. Right. My bad. I, I didn't mean to do that. Hola. But yeah, so um, I like, he hit culturally, like all of his like mannerisms, people who know him, like he's very much like, he's, it's like he's almost, like he's, I don't know. It's weird. Like he's Latino, but he's like, like the Afro Latino type of Latino, but he's fair and he's Latino. I always have like a, I'm always just confused by it. I'm like, what? (laughs) It's very black what you're doing right now. 
I know that sounds really ignorant. Don't put this in the podcast. Oh, this is going in the podcast. <laughs> oh, let's colonize your mind, my sister. <laughs> As I put my my African print hat on. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just like so I yes, always, there are black Latinos, <laughs> but he is not a black. He's Latino. not Afro-Latino. He's not. Well, I don't know. It's really like a weird space to be in because I feel like a lot of, uh, I'm like sweating. I'm like, why did I just say that? It's being recorded. <laughs> God, Devin. Okay, um, let's just take a breath. Let's pause for the cause. Yeah. So his heritage is not. It's mi- it's a mixture okay. because here they're so it they're so in- intertwined. Yes. Yeah, like everyone's Costa Rican. Like, doesn't matter if you're black, white, doesn't matter. You're all Costa Rican first, and so he has family. It's not like his family members are like the fairer ones. They're like a mixture of people. He just happens to be a fair skinned Latino. So okay, that's really interesting because a lot of places like that's not the case. Yeah. Because, like, when you go to America, it's not like we're all American first. Right. So, like, that's really weird to even imagine. Yeah. And and that's how, like, because, you know, it's interesting because he comes from a place that has, it's not very, like, you know, it's not when, like, when I was in Asia, you know, a lot of times people, they're, it's very, you know, similar. Everyone's with the same type of person. And he comes from a place that's similar to our, to the States, where, um, you have a lot of um, mixture, and, and but everyone still identifies as a Costa Rican first. That's all. I've always thought that was so interesting because I, when I first lived here, the first time I moved here, I couldn't understand what was different. But it's like, yeah, I mean, racism, all the things still exist, but they're Costa Rican before they're anything else. And I just always thought that was very interesting um, here. Is, it- Is that like how they present to the outside world? Yeah, I think to the outside world, yes. Yes. Like if you saw, if two Ticos saw each other, they're, they're, Ticos is what they call each other. What we, that's what Costa Ricans call each other Ticos. And we can call them Ticos. It's not like a derogatory statement or anything. Um, but if two Ticos saw each other, it, like the first thing that's important is that they're both Costa Rican more than anything else. And I always thought that was interesting in my experience. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I have that same kind of camaraderie with my interactions with Black people uh, around the globe a lot of times. It just depends on sometimes it's not like that. But a lot of times, like when I was in um, Vietnam, it was like if we passed a Black person, we would stop the motorbike, get off the motorbike, walk wherever they, we saw them and be like, hello. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, are you black good? people stalker. That's... <laughs> no, it wasn't just for black. It was just, yeah. we were, I was, it's such a, it's, it was such a lonely time and I didn't know anyone. And it was just like, you know, like I, I was in, that's how I met Vivian. I was just in a restaurant and she just walked up to me and was like, Hey, <laughs> literally. And I was like, Hey girl. She's like, how are you? And then we talked that whole night for like, hours i had told her i was like i have to go home <laughs> like I, I need to leave we've been here too long um for the people, but it was just for the people oh yes yeah, listening vivian is uh viv wanders she's mm-hmm. a delicious scientist who spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in vietnam mm-hmm. yeah but yeah um, i totally get yeah. that 
It can be um, isolated. It's cool too. It can be. It can for sure be, especially like depending on where you are. Do you feel isolated there in Costa Rica, like culturally? Um, not anymore. I speak Spanish now. Um, so it's much easier for me to navigate and um, build relationships and have like deeper conversations or discussions or things like that. Um, I feel now very much like I have a home in two places. Like I have a home in Costa Rica and a home in the United States. When I first lived here, I, um, I worked, I was a teacher. So I worked with, um, a lot of English speakers. I hung out with English speakers. Um, and I wasn't really as immersed in the culture because it was just, I was in my safety net. Um, but once I started to actually learn the language, explore the country and learn the culture more than you, they open up to you because they feel like, I mean, they have good reason. A lot of times they have a lot of people who visit here. Um, so they can't just become best friends with every single person that comes down here. So um, it, you kind of do have to make sure that you're like investing in them and like, you know, learning about them and investing in their actual like lives and not just the fact that they live in, a beautiful country and the beaches and the mountains, you know, they're humans that live here too. So now I feel, I feel less isolated or not isolated, but I feel less uh, alone because I, I know the, the language so I can speak to the people and have just like that banter. That's definitely something places that have a high tourist, mm-hmm. like influx people are often less likely to like, want a deeper connection like you said because they're used to people flowing in and out actually costa rica like a lot of people retire there from the yes yeah in my complex there's like a a gringo it's funny i'm not even you want to know it's really funny yeah so i i I live in this complex there's only 13 condos here and there is a man his name is jack but he goes hi joaquin joaquin uh and they call him the gringo, but they never call me a gringa. <laughs> it's so funny because he's like this older um, American man. He doesn't speak Spanish. He's very American, but, and they consider him like a gringo. Yeah. Because he's very much like, you know, he's just very. Hasn't American. assimilated. He's there because it's cheap. Yeah, he's here. Exactly. But he's been here for years, but he's very like, yeah. if you ever, yeah, he's very much, but it's funny because like they will, you know, invite me over for coffee because they do coffee and they, um, and at, they have coffee hour. That's like in their culture. They like coffee. So they do that at like four o'clock and they'll invite me over for coffee or we'll do like little craft things or go to the movies or just sit in the common, like by the pool in the common area and just like talk. Um, and it's just so, it's such a different experience because I can communicate with them and I speak their language and I know their culture. So they consider me like a part of their family. Have you ever been called Negrita? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was called that just now, actually. I got pizza. <laughs> and the guy who dropped off the pizza was like, how are you doing, Negrita? <laughs> I was like, oh. So good. that means like little black girl. Yeah. Black. Yeah, like little black girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was funny because I had this conversation with my husband. Mm-hmm. He never called me Negrita. Uh-huh. <laughs> he never did that. But like his family called me that. Um, and they have, it's just very normal here to identify people as adjectives. So like they'll be like flaco, which means like skinny man. 
<laughs> or Gorda, which means fat girl. So <laughs> they'll just call you that in your house. And uh, he has a cousin that's a little bit darker than him, and they call her Negra. Like that, like they'll shout it like Negra, Negra. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I'm a, I'm an American, so I ha- there's like so much that comes with that. But it's also like me having to understand that it's their culture. But my husband like stepped in and was like, hey, so it was. It, this was one of the most interesting conversations we had with his family. Because he was like, hey, guys, I just, you know, I know you don't, he, he, he understands. He's like, I, I understand you're not, you don't mean anything bad. You're not trying to be rude. You're not trying to be racist. You're not trying to be, you know, mean or anything. But we really, you know, let's not use that word. It, ha- it just has a different meaning, you know, for, for Devin. And his uncle, sincerely, like with all of his, like not being a joke or rude or anything, he literally goes to my husband. He goes, I just, I mean, well, what am I supposed to call her? He was like, just call her Devin. <laughs> <laughs> just Devin will do. What, you know what, what do I call her? It was like, I just felt like it was like one of those big fat Greek wedding kind of moments where it's like, he honestly has, has no idea. She needs to, a nickname. <laughs> like what Everyone yeah. has a nickname. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, it's, I mean, I don't get upset about it. I don't get offended about it. I understand. Um, there are, like, pushes. Like, it's interesting because they, they do have those pushes in, in here as well, like, to, like, not do those things, to be more conscious and aware of the words and the connotations. They have the same thing. They have the same movements and things or similar movements in Spanish here happening. Um, so it is an interesting thing. So there's more awareness about it being kind of not as acceptable that is arising socially what a time to be alive you know what i mean <laughs> well i guess we'll let you keep him then yeah yeah he's, he's a good one he is I mean, he's, he's he loves the cause this one <laughs> we'll we'll just keep our eye on this situation i don't know it's been right. literal years but still <laughs> yeah no we got you Thank you. I'm happy to have someone. No, someone has my back. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we need to back it all the way up, actually. Yes. Um, so before eight years ago, eight years ago was 2012. <laughs> yep. So 2012, you were in New York? D.C. Okay. You were in D.C. You were in D.C., you were working in public relations, you were doing your big girl thing, making your checks, being cute. I was, I thought I was like killing it. (laughs) Eight years ago, I was like, oh, you did that, Devin. You graduated college. You got a job at the global PR firm. Like you're doing it. You're wearing heels and pencil skirts every day. Heels and pencil skirts, a global (laughs) PR firm. You know what I mean? Like, so. You're wearing your heels and possibly, mm-hmm. uh, and you're called to a Probably. meeting. Yep. You bring your notebook because you don't know if you're supposed to bring your notebook or not. Felt oh, right. <laughs> and there are people there that you know, a friend from HR mm-hmm. and your boss, and uh, they're saying words that seem like they apply to you, but in the reality that you live in, it right. doesn't fit. It wasn't working out, yeah. And so you have to clarify with them and you say, oh, wait, like you, you're saying I'm fired? <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just went, I went downstairs. They, you know, it was so it like, it's just like it says in the movies. Like, you know, they call you down you have your little phone. You're like, hi, thank you. This is Devin. And they're like, hi, Devin, you can pop on down to HR. I'm like, sure. Whatever. You don't think that there's a problem. Um, and I worked so like, I worked for a huge PR firm and our client, we worked for, um, worked for, I, I'm trying to think if I, I can say, but I'm not gonna say the client, but we worked for basically a government something. And it was during the change of a president, like a, like a presidential election change. And so what happens is sometimes like the funding for things changes. And since there, the president had changed it, we were no longer needed or they had went with a different thing. And basically the, I got laid off, which is fired. It is fired. I don't know why they just don't call it that. But um, yeah, they, they told me to go upstairs and just kind of, you know, grab my lunch, my purse and my heels and leave. And they escorted me out of the building. And that was that. So you said you felt like you should cry, but you like actually didn't cry. You felt no. relief. Yeah. And it, it was so, and I had been working there for, for several years at this point, And I remember constantly trying to figure out how I could fit travel the way I want to travel into, you know, a normal corporate, like a nine to five type job. And, and I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, a couple sick days and back it up with this holiday and then front load it with this vacation time so that I could have a week and I'll go to Thailand or whatever in my mind. And I was like, but, and then I would start talking to myself, like, I'm going to Thailand. Like I need to be there for at least four weeks. And every time I would say that to someone, people would be like, you can't go places four weeks. Like you have a job. And I'm like, but I didn't, I couldn't understand why. And I just remember always trying to figure out how to travel like constantly and not being able to. And so when I got laid off and I started, when I got laid off, I was like, okay, I'm going to walk home. So I walked from like Northwest DC, which is where my job was to Southeast DC, which is where I lived. And I just remember the whole walk, the walk, the thing that was the most transformative through the walk was that it started when I was at the bottom of the building, it started out with like, what am I going to do? And that like, what am I going to do? Like, this is overwhelming. What am I going to do? And that was why I felt like I needed to cry because I was getting overwhelmed by the thought of what, what do I do now? And then I started walking. And by the end of the walk, that what am I going to do changed to like, you can do whatever you want. What do you want to do? And, and that, I think that's that walk right there was the walk that was like, I'm leaving the country. By the end of that walk, I called my mom and I was like, Hey, got some bad news. Totally got laid off. I got some great news. I'm leaving the country. Like that was, that was literally, and my mom was like, like what's going on? Like, this isn't normal because it didn't, it didn't seem like a normal step, but I was like, I'm going to leave the country and I'm just going to go. I was originally going to go to Paris. Uh, and I quickly realized I don't speak French. So didn't make sense at the time. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, I got laid off. I walked home. I was like, what am I going to do? And I remember just staying up and, and Googling like how to live abroad and things like that. And then I found um, programs for teaching and yeah. And it just kind of, that's what I did. I, from the moment that I got laid off, I just put everything into moving abroad. And that's why I was like, I have to leave January because 
I told everyone I was leaving in January. So when I got a job that started in June in Spain, I was like, no, that doesn't work. Because I knew that if I didn't leave in January, there was, it was likely that I wasn't going to leave at all. You know, you get stuck in these like cycles. And so I was like, I have to leave in January. And I moved to Costa Rica with, I think I had $600 in my pocket. I paid one month's rent and like two suitcases. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm just going to find something when I get here. In retrospect, it sounds really adventurous. At the time, it was like, it's fine. <laughs> Didn't seem adventurous at the time, but in retrospect, it was. So how did that sit with your your parents, your friends, yeah. your family members? I must say, my uh, fa- I have a really great family. Um, like, I know everyone, or a lot of people say that, but I'm, I'm really, really blessed with the family that I have, especially with my mom. Um, my mom is very much like, okay. And she's, she, she's very much like, you know, I'm going to let you do, do what you want to do, but I'm here, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you need me. Like, so she'll, uh, I always imagine her kind of um, parenting style is like when a baby's learning to walk and you don't want to like hold them, you want them to kind of fall and rock and do a little thing, like figure it out themselves, but you're still there if something happens, so they don't hit their head on the corner of a table or something like that. That's how my mom is. Um, so she, she very, she understood why it was important for me at that time to travel because she had traveled as well. Um, and she was like, okay, I understand that. And so when I went to leave to go to uh, Costa Rica, she was, that was very much her at that point of like me maybe hitting my head on the corner of the table. Um, but she knew that, you know, I could do it. And she was like, all right, here's the thing. My visa was for three months. I had $600 and a resume and, you know, all of the qualifications to start teaching. And she was like, you know, I'm going to let you go for the three months and I'm going to let you figure this out, but I, I need you to figure it out. So I came down here and I spent maybe like two weeks hanging out, <laughs> going to the beach, looking at all the hot boys and <laughs> being like, you know, 20 something in Costa Rica. and then. It, the reality hit me that I had like $400 in my bank account and I needed to find a job. And then I just started walking around um, to different schools and dropping off resumes. And uh, I worked at a really crappy school, but it was something. And then it led to a better school. Um, but the whole time my mom and my family were, they're always there. They're very supportive, um, but they're just not going to, they're, they're not, they're going to give, empower me to take these crazy leaps. Um, it was the same way when I went to Vietnam. And I, it's funny because I always ask them, like, why did you let me go to Vietnam? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, you do what you want to do. We're here. We don't get it. But if that's what you want to do, you know, you go, girl. We got you. Um, so my family has always been very supportive of my lifestyle of, of traveling. Yeah. Um, you said that your mom got it because she was also a traveler. Like, mm-hmm. so... Does she travel as extensively as yourself or not really? Or no, I'm, family? Yeah, well, my family, so I'm West Indian. So my family is, uh, my mom is from, my mom's family is from the Bahamas and my, well, the Bahamas and Barbados. And so they, my grandmother was like an immigrant. Uh, so my mom's like first generation. So she understood travel because like her family was in two countries, um, essentially. Uh, and when she was around, I think she was in her twenties, 
she went to Africa um, and then she went to, and she went to Morocco and she went to Europe. And even before I left, she's always like travel. It, she travels in a different way, but she's always traveled. And even for example, like when I was in everywhere I've ever lived, she's come and visited me. So when I was in Vietnam, she flew to Vietnam by herself and came and visited me because, she, and she went to Malaysia with me. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, she travels a lot. Um, I guess she travels more than a lot of other people, but yeah, she's a, she's a traveler for sure. She gets it. Um, and I think that's really helpful for me. So during your two weeks that you spent, um, Mm -hmm. you wrote, you said that you were leaving a tense, fast paced life and Costa Rica unwound you. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. I, when I was in, uh, when I was in D.C., D.C. is very like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> D.C. was very much, like I said, I had my pencil skirts and my high heels and my pressed out, my pressed out hair and like my nails. It was, it's very much like a look, you know, like not every person in D.C. is like that. My specific brand of D.C. was like that in my experience there. So I was, you know, going to happy hours and going to like events and socializing, all those things, which are great. Um, but then you come to Costa Rica and like, it doesn't matter how many times you ask or it doesn't matter how hard you hope or try or push, they're going to do what they do because you're in a different country. That happens with any country, right? So you get here and you're just like, you know, I ordered, um, I remember one, um, when I first got here, I ordered like a sandwich, a vegetarian sandwich and they put meat on it because here you have to, like I said, no meat, but meat is beef. So they put like chicken on it and like chicken isn't meat here. So it's like they call it pollo. So I got my little sandwich and I was like, hey, um, I asked for like no chicken or no meat. And they were like, okay, so do you want to buy another sandwich? And I was like, what? (laughs) And they were like, this is your sandwich. This is the one we made for you. You can get another sandwich if you would like, but you have this sandwich. You can take the meat off. But it wasn't like the concept. You know, if you're like in D.C. or in the States, they're like, oh, sorry, man, blah, 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 blah. And I just remember being like, that is such an interesting thing. Like, I have to buy two sandwiches. Like, I just have to be more, um, I have to understand what I'm asking for and be clearer with what I need. I'm in a different country. I'm in a different culture. And, like, getting wound up or getting upset doesn't matter here. Like, everyone, you just have to chill. Like, everything's pura vida. Like, just let it go. Just ride with it. You'll be fine. Um, and when I got here, like something about the culture here unwound me from that, like uptight DC girl and made me this like chill, more relaxed, more willing to like make mistakes, lean into the mistakes, live in my mistakes and keep going. And I think that's how I've been able to like continually develop while I'm away. Like me leaving the States was such a good thing for me because the person that I am right now is so different from the person I would have been. And I wouldn't have met this version of myself had I stayed in the States. And you got there also because you you were talking about the walk from Mm -hmm. your job to home. You said that you wrote down exactly what you wanted. Mm -hmm. That was prioritizing unlimited travel slash vacation. Yep. I wanted a limited travel. Yeah. And and people always thought that was funny. Like, because now, well, not right now, but prior to, like, you know, recently travel is very, I don't want to say trendy, but travel is, very, like, people travel now. Like, it has been, it's more popular. And I and when I was growing up and, and as a younger adult, um, I remember 
explaining to people the desires that I had to travel and them explaining to me how erroneous this desire was or how like unrealistic it, my expectations were. And I remember just never, never settling and just being like, no, this is what I want. Like, I want to, I want to travel. This is important to me. Um, and then just kind of manifesting into these things. Cause I started out as a teacher and I remember thinking, I mean, this is good, but I'm not a per, I'm not a backpacker. So I can't just be a teacher forever. I need to grow. And, and then I was like, I want to, you know, I want to be a manager. And then a couple years later, I'm like directing a whole school. And then a year later, I'm directing it the nationwide department for a school in Vietnam. It's just like, I think you have power in the words that you speak and the, and what you write down. Um, and I do a lot of like abundance meditations and a lot of like journaling. I journal so much. It's insane. Um, but I think that that has um, been a driving force in me discovering this version of myself, which I think is pretty awesome. But you also describe so your teaching career, teaching mm-hmm. at the school, being the director at the school, then moving to Vietnam to be the manager. Um, mm-hmm. You describe those titles as boxes as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, because that my goal was always to have unlimited travel and vacation. And I th- always felt like, I felt like what I was trying to do up until maybe I would even say last year and like, November, honestly, it was very recent that this happened. But up until then, I I found myself this pull of my like part of me was like, you know, the American part, I would say, or the the, like DC Devon was like, you know, I want to I want to keep growing in my career. And I want to keep, you know, rising and not being really comfortable in my positions. And then once I would get to these places, I would I would then again, be forced to choose between vacation and like, you know, being able to travel and being able to see the world in the way that I want to see the world. And that would stress me out every time that would happen. And I I felt that in my mind, I'm like, well, they're the bosses. So maybe they have better felt natural to try to like obtain these positions. And every time I just realized that I was still in this box because my, my work ethic, I guess, wasn't matching my like vacation and I was I always told my mom that I just felt like a person that doesn't I can't work for somebody else you know like I always like the reason that it was so frustrating for me to be in the box was because it's like I'm sitting here and I'm working really hard for this person who's barely here and they have the lifestyle that I want like they're they're traveling and I'm working for them because this is their company and they have worked hard enough not to work here anymore. But how do I get that lifestyle where I can have my own income and the actual live in my truth of wanting to be a traveler? And you talk about like living in Asia. You said that it it showed you the best and the worst of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And having to radically detox and energy cleanse yourself after having lived in Vietnam for two years. Yeah. Vietnam. Vietnam was, uh, uh, so I lived in Hanoi. So Hanoi is very different from Ho Chi Minh City. A lot of people, Ho Chi Minh City is, um, very like, I I guess you can, it's easily digestible. You know, it's like a big city. It's easy to navigate. A lot of people speak English. It's very, um, it's different. Ho Chi Minh City is, uh, very much like the older, 
uh, Vietnam. So it's, it's very um, traditional when you think of like Vietnamese culture. And I had no expectation. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you now why we chose to go to Vietnam. In my head, I was just like, I want to go to the furthest place. Like what's a cra- like the craziest place I could think of. And it was like Vietnam. And then like I got a job and it was happening. Um, but when I was there, it was just, it, I mean, obviously there were like the racial things that happened, like just there's things that happened because I am a American black person living in Northern Vietnam. Um, and, but there are, there were other things that I experienced in, in Asia that I just never expected, like good experiences. Um, and I just remember being in there, being in Vietnam was like, I had to just kind of get through it. Once we got to a point where we, where we knew it was like, it just wasn't working. We just had to get through it. Um, I think it was really difficult for Andres because um, he saw for the first time, like he observed my experience as a black person um, because we had lived in countries that we had lived in Spanish speaking countries uh, before. So he didn't or visited countries that had black people or Afro Latinos or things like that. So it, it wasn't a thing, but he saw, he observed the experience. And I think that was like, really heartbreaking for him um because you talked about your confidence and self-esteem being attacked yeah and you said yeah away from him yeah oh oh yeah oh i'll tell you that story so he was at a restaurant um and i went to go meet him for for dinner we were just gonna like go on a date whatever after work and so he's sitting there looking like a snack or whatever because he's cute and (laughs) i walked in and I'm like, oh, um, they were like, you know, hi, ma'am. And I'm like, hi, I'm here to meet my husband. Or no, I didn't. I don't think I said I meet my husband. I'm here to, you know, I'm meeting somebody. And, and then I saw him. So I proceeded to go walk to him. And the woman was like, oh, no, ma'am, he's waiting for his wife. And I was like, and I kind of laughed like, Haha. and she was like, no, you can't go over there. He's waiting for his life. And then and then I kept trying to go. And then she like physically blocked me from like going over there and then was like, went to him and was like, do you know this woman? And I was like, it was just like in their heads, so impossible that I could be his wife. Like they looked at me three times and said, this man is waiting for his wife. You can't go and talk. You can't go over there. Like it's just, it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> like that would be, it just was, that was weird. That was crazy to me. Um, and yes, obviously like the internet trolls on YouTube always tell me that, well, you could have just, you know, said you were going, but I just didn't feel like I needed to justify why I was going to see my husband. Like I'm walking there. He like, what are you doing? Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he was, he get, he got, he used to get so mad. Like, and then after we were eating, when we were there at the restaurant, they like stood there and they were laughing. They would like, like openly just like, like laughing. Like, this is it. Like, look at this, this black woman is with him. How crazy is that? Um, and Andres over there was very, um, he met the standard of beauty. Like he was, uh, like that exotic look that was like acceptable. And then I was the opposite of that. And so it, like, I mean, I would get off bikes. He would come to pick me up from work. Anytime people saw us together, there was just a reaction to it. And it was exhausting for him. I just kind of like tried to block it out. Um, but he, it was, it was a diff, it was very difficult for him to see and observe and experience. 
How has that impacted your relationship with him? We're actually so much closer. Um, he's like my absolute best friend. Like it's, it's not often, especially when you're in like an intercultural, like we're interracial, obviously, but we're also intercultural. And it's very hard to explain the nuances of being African-American to someone from a different culture and a different language and a different race. Like it's just, there's so many layers. So um, he's always aware. Like he's not like ignorant of the fact that I am an African-American woman and I have these experiences um, and we like talk about blackness and like, you know, even Latino things that like, we talk about these things a lot in our relationship. Um, because eventually if we decide to have children, that's something that we need to know. So we always are very, um, vocal about these things, but now it's like, he understands. It's almost like, I don't know. He, he, it's just like, he, he gets it now. He did it. He, he got it before, but I, I think a part of him would always kind of think, well, maybe, um, like he couldn't understand, like, well, maybe it was this or, or are you sure it was that? And not that he would question it, but I, I, I know that he couldn't understand what I was saying. But when he saw like a large group of people or my, this happening to me over and over and over again by complete strangers, he was just like perplexed as to why, people would happen. I remember him like, like, he like cried about it. Like he was, he was broken about this happening. And it was, I, w- I remember cause I, I wasn't crying because I was like, I'm black. I've, I've been black my whole life. So <laughs> I'm used to, unfortunately, this is the reality that I live in as a black person. Um, but it like broke him. Like he just couldn't, he didn't understand at first why this was happening. But now we're so close. Like, I mean, like, but if, if he were black, if he were white, if he were Latino, if you had go through that kind of intense of a situation, like we went, it went through in, in Vietnam, you either come out like stronger or you just come out and maybe you don't <laughs> like work anymore. But like it was either we could run toward each other or away from each other. And I think we chose to run toward each other. So would you say that traveling and working as a black woman, um, has impacted your experience? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up in a place called Mechanicsville. <laughs> so yeah, it's just as country as it sounds. And um, I remember when I lived in Mechanicsville thinking that it was, cause it was in Virginia. So that's like the capital of the Confederacy, like Mason-Dixie line, all of that jazz. So I remember thinking that if I got out of Virginia, it wouldn't be that experience. Like race, like the way that racism happened to me would be different or my encounters with it wouldn't be as frequent or wouldn't, ha- wouldn't happen in my head ignorantly as a young person. So then I moved to like a bigger city, DC, where, you know, they have more diversity, da-da-da-da-da, um, experienced the same thing. And then I was like, okay, well, if I left the States, it would be different, right? Because, you know, I'm in the States. Um, but you learn that... It, it's not about, it's the world's perception of, of African-Americans. You're still black wherever you are. You're still a black female wherever you are. Um, and it's, and you can't change how the world reacts to that fact. Um, and I think once I came to that reality, it, it made it a little bit, it definitely changed my experience, but my reaction to other people's reaction changed. 
you talk about traveling being emotionally draining and how hard it is to live away from your family. You said your family is great. You said a lot of people say that, but I don't actually hear that a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also how difficult it is being away from friends and like having that sense of home and the known. Yeah. What has kept you traveling? I mean, I really like the idea of like the world, every time I go to a new place, I'm just amazed. And, and it's just like, if I have the ability, I'm blessed enough to have the ability and the means to, to go see as many places as I can. Like I need to go see as many places as I can. Like I have a, a crippling fear of flying, oddly enough. <laughs> like it is intense. But my fear, my, my passion for travel and exploring and seeing the world and meeting people, uh, other cultures, is bigger than that fear of flying. So if that means I have to fly 11 hours by myself to go to uh, Eritrea, then I'm going to do it because that's amazing. Like that's an amazing experience and, I, I, and it's worth it. So I think the thing that fuels me is that discovery of what is unknown to me, like having those experiences. Because when I travel, I don't travel like resorts and cruises and there's nothing wrong with that travel at all. It's just, unfortunately for me, not in my financial lane. (laughs) So um, when I travel, I do very local experiences and I can like remember so clearly meeting people and and sitting with people. And it's just such a, a more enriching experience for me to have that really local travel. And, and it's interesting because you see all the similarities. Like you, I can see a similarity in like um, a, a woman that I met when I was in South Africa. Well, in, I was in South Africa and she was from um, Namibia. And I could have a similar kind of experience with her and a similar experience with like an uh, old Vietnamese man that I met um, at like a weird camping situation in Vietnam. Like I can see similarities, similarities in those experiences and that helps me connect humanity. And so when I have those terrible experiences, I know that everyone isn't all bad, you know, like I know that people are, are okay sometimes. (laughs) So it kind of, I think that, that is what fuels me to keep going. Just that passion, that, that wanting to meet and know and learn about other people. You have shared openly about like seeking therapy and mm-hmm. having some depression mm-hmm. affect you in your life. So what are some of your self-care practices? Yeah. So um, mental health is something that I didn't, it, it's okay. It's like, I didn't realize that I had these issues, right? Um, I didn't realize that these things were happening and it was, it's interesting because I was going to therapy in DC and I still didn't realize this. We, I, we never, you know, it wasn't until I was just down in a dark, dark space that I needed to kind of be like, what's going on here? This isn't normal. Um, and again, like having the family that I have and having the support system that I have, like my, one of my best friends is a, like a, do- a therapist. A lot of my line sisters are in the mental health space and they've created these um, 
they've created these spaces that are really comfortable to kind of express yourself. And after like hearing multiple people say, Hey, you might want to talk to somebody about that. Um, I decided to, but basically my journey with mental health was I didn't realize what depression could look like because I think there's such a stigma with what it looks like. So you, you can have it and not realize, you know, how, like this is what this is this too is depression right um and and different ways about that and like you know just all kinds of mental fa- mental issues that you can have and now thank god before this whole quarantine thing happened i discovered those things and i learned those things because then i was able to build out my toolkit for when i got into a situation like now where we're in this isolation um but my daily practices um I always like, I have it, like I said before, I write in a journal every single day. Um, Even if it's like a couple words or like um, a passage that I heard or like what you said before we were recording, I wrote that in my journal. Like even if it's just something, I always write in my journal because I find for me getting words out of my head and just onto paper is better. Like it helps me process. Um, I do meditation because. it clears my head again as well. I try not to sleep too much or too little um, because that can also you know, be a thing. I definitely um, touch nature every day. So even when I was in Vietnam and it was like you couldn't, grass wasn't a thing. <laughs> like they have grass, but it's like, you know, it's a big city and Where? everything's very vertical. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I'm just, it's you funny because it's like a, a sidewalk in Vietnam. Exactly. Grass, right. There was a little bit of grass behind my house, but I never went back there because I, I took my dogs back there one time and they got a rash and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Even the grass is aggressive. I'm sorry, Marley. So <laughs> my little Costa Rican dog could not take it. Um, but like, it's just always important to like, look at the sky or touch like nature, have plants in my house. Like I do, I do those kind of things and I make sure that I shower and get dressed every day. Um, People don't realize how important it is to just like have a routine and do these things. Um, So I think discovering and and being okay with the fact, I'm okay saying to my lion sisters or to my mom or to my friends, like, Hey, I feel like I'm, you know, maybe going into a dark space. Like, can we talk more or can we do this thing? Or do you have someone that I can talk to? Like just being aware of what it is and taking the power back from the situation. Because a lot of times mental health takes, like we give our power to the, to the problem, right? We're like, oh, I can't do that because I'm this way. But if you just identify, yes, I am this thing. I am this way. And I will, in spite of that, do this other thing. Um, I think that's how you, you know, empower yourself to be, to you know, to really work on it and and be better, even in the in the tough times. Are any of your um, practices particularly grounding? Meditation, for sure. Meditation is like if I had to choose one thing, <laughs> it would be meditation because I didn't realize like how like cleansing silence can be. <laughs> that type of silence. I've sat in silence before by myself with my thoughts, but having like focusing on something else, it's like, it's like inhaling and exhaling like yoga for your brain, basically. It's amazing. So um, meditation has been one of the the most useful 
um, guided meditations have been one of the most useful tools that I've, I've, I've found for me. Do you have any hobbies? Or yeah, so many. Okay, so what do you do? What you do? <laughs> <laughs> I like to cook. I really like to cook um, from scratch. I like to get recipes and like all the little like things you don't want to buy at the store because they're too expensive and you just need it for one recipe. I like to have those things in my house <laughs> and like cook things. Um, I just started acrylic painting um, when the quarantine started. I figured I'd you know level up and get a new hobby. Um, and I like to exercise. I do like to do that a lot. Um, like Pilates, I do pole dancing. Um, not now because everything's closed, but pole dancing is, uh, it's, it's really physically and mentally challenging because you're doing something that is really hard, but you're, it's in a way that it's like, it, you, it, you're forced to make it look effortless, but it's extremely hard. <laughs> um, so I, I really like pole dancing as well. Um, and I, I mean, my YouTube channel, it started off as a hobby. And then I realized that people really liked to hear me talk <laughs> sometimes. So, um, that's also, that too is a, a really big hobby of mine. Do you have any song lyrics or a poem that speaks to you these days? You know, it was, I read that question <laughs> on the list and I was, so nervous about that question. I was like, I was just like stressed out. And um, I guess the one that it's, I don't know, the one, okay. (laughs) So it's a Janelle Monae song um, from her, her album, Dirty Computer. And it's not, it's, it's Martin Luther King is the, is the part that I like, but the song starts off with, Martin Luther King's speech, like you told us that all say all these truths, we hold these truths to be separate of and that all men are created equal. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's called Crazy Classic Life. I think that's the name of the song, Crazy Classic Life. Yeah, and it's like young, black, wild, and free. It's just basically talking about like being, it's like, it surmises how I feel as like a black traveler because I feel like the world is like, like my friends are like, Oh my God, you're the craziest person I know. And you're just like out here living this crazy life. And it's like, this is, this is just a version of my normal life. Um, and so, uh, this, the song at the beginning where it's like, you, you told us we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal that we are endowed with certain uh, rights by a creator among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's like, I find that people always are like in awe or uh, maybe you find this too. I don't know, but people always, you know, gasp at like our lifestyle, but it's just our life. Like we're not, for us, we're not doing anything. Or I don't know if you think this, but for us, for me, I don't feel like I'm doing anything extraordinary. Like I'm sitting in a house with a couch in a normal kitchen just happens to be in Costa Rica. And it's because I just want to have, like, I, I just want to live a normal life and that life will take me to different countries and different places, but I'm not doing anything extraordinary. Like it, for me, it doesn't feel extraordinary. I don't know. Do you, does that make sense to you? <laughs> it does. Um, it becomes the new normal. Yeah. So but like when like, you're in your home yeah. country trying to figure out how to get out, and like yeah. make that happen, it becomes like your new normal. So yeah. there are other things that you want 
So you don't like stop wanting stuff. So once right. you get that piece, like there are other pieces that you want. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to work for somebody. Like, how do I do that? So oh. I want to do this or that. How do I do that? And it's um, just the idea of just like doing it. Like, that's the thing that I think is so um, interesting is I, when I went home this last time, this woman was like, Hey Devin, um, I want to take you out if that's okay. Like I really would love, you know, to meet and talk to you and pick your brain. I was like, sure, that's fine. So then we go out and like, we sit down and she's like, so tell me like, what should I do? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I really want to move to Singapore. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What should you do? She's like, well, you, how did you move? And I was like, I, I just left. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I just left. Like I had no plan. I had, there's no map. There was no road map, but like the thing that keeps people from doing those things, they're actually pursuing their happiness is fear. And it's like, I, what I'm going to tell you, like, even if I had a job offer for you to go to, to Singapore and a place for you to live, you still have to go. Like you still have to do it by yourself and you still have to experience life's ups and downs and all the things associated with the dream that you want to pursue. And you seeing me here eight years later, you're, you know, you're getting the filtered version of the life. You know, you haven't, you, you don't know the, everything that had to happen in order to do it. And it's not, all you have to do is do it. Like what I did may not work for, for you. So it's just like, I always try to tell people and I always try to push people to just follow their dream, like just do it. Because so many times people ask me like, oh, I wish I could do what you do, but I just could never. And it's like, you can, you can do it. Like do it, please. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's much better if you just do it. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, especially now, travel is very like glamorous, you know, like people are, you know, they're in, they're in Bali with these like beautiful dresses on or having fancy uh, 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 breakfast, like the floating breakfast and the baths. And those are great experiences, but it's for some people who have not left the country, they see that and they're like, I could never do that. So my whole lane of travel is like, anyone can do what I do. It's totally normal. Just do it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel it's like it's different. very... It's different vacationing somewhere. Yeah. Long-term traveling. And it's so frustrating for me. I always struggle with this. I don't know if you do too as a creator, but like I have a travel YouTube channel and like I, all, I don't really put a lot of videos of like my trips because I don't want people, I, I never want to be in that lane of unobtainable travel. Like I, I don't, I don't want people to think that it's something they couldn't do. And so I always struggle with that because like, I know, well, I'm not going to speak it into existence, but it, I, I know that I, when I look at, you know, those really huge black travel feeds or like those really big um, like travel blogs and stuff, it, I always look at them and I too feel intimidated. And this is someone who has lived abroad for eight years. I'm like, oof, I don't know that I could ever be on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, I feel like the more, the more popular travel gets, the more exclusive it's starting to look. And I, I do not, I don't like, like that breaks my heart because the experiences that I've experienced just like walking down the street on a long layover and, you know, hungry were like life altering 
So it's like, I don't want people to stop traveling because they, there's like a, a certain look to what travel looks like now. Um, and that's kind of why I struggle with this as a creator, as like a blogger. I'm like, I want to make sure that I have really obtainable content and I want to make sure that I'm getting information that's useful to people and encourages them to do these things. Um, because travel, I'm competing with an audience of like, you know, glamour travel, which is like very hard to compete with. Like I look at it too and I'm, I'm intimidated. So I don't know. All of that and some. It's like, <laughs> because long-term travel, like you're not, you're not living. It's, yeah. uh, you're not living. It's difficult. Yet. Don't you're you struggle with star, You're not in five-star exactly. hotels. You're in a house. You're in a house. <laughs> you're long-term traveling. Like you're yeah. not doing the flashy super comfortable, super posh. Yeah. Stuff. That's not your everyday life. That's a vacation lifestyle. And right. people, that's not even sustainable. Like you it's can't not. vacation no. lifestyle. I mean, some people have been able to set it up to where they like live in a paradise, but even that paradise is set in a home. You're not living yeah. out of a hotel. Yeah. And it, it's so, I don't want to say it's trendy. Like it's just, but it's so like, I, I get, I cringe a lot because, you know, like as a traveler, I'll, I'll go to places just because it's like, well, if I'm in, you know, Malaysia, I'm going to go to the, ba, what is it called? Cap, ba, bat, Bantu, Batka? What's that? Temple? The, the capital is Kuala Lumpur, the Batu K. Yeah, Batu, Batu, that was it. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm in Kuala Lumpur, I'm going to Batu. Like I'm just going to go because I'm there. And I just remember being there and seeing all of the people who are like, they travel there with their high heels or their like super nice suits and like taking on, and I'm like, are you here? Do you realize that we're like, look around you. Like, this is amazing. We're in Malaysia. This is incredible people. Um, and, but it, I struggle with it because I'm like, I'm here and it's great, but I also don't want anyone to think they can't do what I do. So every time I post pictures on Instagram, I always write like a very, like micro blog, like I write a lot of information so that people know exactly what happened and the story behind it and all of the things, because I'm just a normal girl who decided to travel and to make sure that, you know, I created a lifestyle with my husband that allows us to travel um, and save and, and live. But yeah, like you said, that's not normal life. Normal life, you're in a, you know, a house with a couch, you go to the feria to get your vegetables and you come home and you know what I mean? it's a very it's a very normal life but I think people see that other that was the version of lifestyle and they're like yeah that's great <laughs> like I get psychologically why because we always think our our we're not enough our lifestyles are not enough mm-hmm. like there's somebody living a, a doper yeah style but wouldn't it be super dope if we all were just like putting each other on? <laughs> I don't know. Am I crazy? Putting each other on in what sense? Like, I feel like, okay. So I met this, I met this woman. She was a, um, she was a very big, uh, like, uh, Instagram traveler person. Um, and she, she, that's like, she has a lot of, that's like her job and that's cool. 
Um, and I remember uh, she took a picture somewhere and I was like, ooh, because I was, I was going to visit another country. I'm trying to be as like vague as I can. <laughs> so we met in this one country and I was going to visit a different country and she had been in that country and I saw a picture and I was like, ooh, this is a really nice like, like place. Like I want to see it. Not to take a picture. I literally just wanted to see the spot. Um, and she was like, a vague, like not giving me the information. And I was like, wait, what do, are you like, can you tell me where it is? Cause you know, I really want to go there. And she was like, Oh, it's here. And I was like, like general, like it's in this country. And I was like, yeah, I know. I was just, you know, with this picture specifically, I just, I want to see that in person. Like, I can't believe that, you know, the, the greenery is so lush and the, and the sea is so blue. Like I really want to see this. And she was like, yeah, okay, well, you know, it's on, it's on this coast, but she never told me where it was. And it was like, I felt like there was like a competition, but I didn't know that I had been invited into this competition. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, wait, why aren't we, I'm just curious. So, I mean, when I say like, like leveling everyone up, it's like, like if I find any cheat codes, any cheat codes, any information, anything that I find, I'm giving to everyone for free, like, I, or not for free, but for free for the most part. <laughs> I don't charge anyone for it, but it's like, I really want to make sure that people have the resources. So if I find a resource, I'm sharing it, I guess is what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I get that. I think that there are black women travelers out there who do that, who yes. are happy to put each other on. Yes. Um, black girl travel slay. She does that. Vivian does that. Uh, Viv wonders for well, you obviously do that. <laughs> why we're here um there are tons of people that do that uh i guess it's just about like focusing on that and trying to grow that so that that becomes the culture there's a a culture of those people who exist yeah exactly and that's why i always am like this is a resource i found it here you go (laughs) because i think it's better to be inclusive than exclusive but too like i just i think most people have their heads down honestly and they're just doing their own thing and they're not really thinking about community, yeah. thinking about growing laterally um, so yeah. we can grow vertically. Yeah. Um, Let's go to McDonald's. Come on. I'm putting that in my <laughs> own. Just, right. I, I, <laughs> tweet that out. That's what tweet for today. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you lucky that's, I can't That's type. real. Sometimes like, Yeah. I'll talk to you yeah. later, but um, right, right. You have to be conscious, like we're being recorded. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just like I don't know. <laughs> I gotta get my thoughts together. Yeah, uh, no, but it's. I think I think it's really like like I think this is so dope. Like what you're doing is like super dope. Like it's just such a good concept and a good like like what, like I re- I was looking the other day and like, I think you're at like. 40 something episodes or 40 episodes or something. Right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I just reached 40. <laughs> 40 I mean, yeah. we, we just reached 40. <laughs> we the community. I like, I like the, <laughs> I mean, but you know what I mean? Like how dope is that? Like I was like, yo, like this woman has connected with 40 people and has done 40 hours. You know what I mean? Let's, let's round it up to like 80 hours of like, connecting this and nurturing this specific community that's amazing like what you're doing wanda is incredible and it is one of those things that i know years from now i'll be like yeah that woman i know she's dope (laughs) she is 
lifting as she's climbing and it's incredible. And I, I like I was that's why I was so elated about the opportunity because this is a really, really healthy and good space that you are creating. It's amazing. So just props to you, good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. When you do what what has helped so you've experienced challenges like mm. your entire life. What has helped you to to face your challenges? Um, my mom. So like, like you said, I mean, you said it, but like, I, I, I really, my mom is amazing. Um, she, I always just think like of what all the sacrifices and all the things she did all of our life, just to make sure that we, my brother and I were given the best, um, chance, you know? that she could provide. And it was, it's incredible to watch, like it's incredible to look back on because I never felt like I lacked things. And I know that she worked very hard to make sure that we didn't, you know what I mean? Like that didn't happen. And I didn't, I didn't, not to say I had everything, like we lived, you know, in various places and um, we went to school in different places. At one point she left, uh, because she had to go train to do this job in a different state. And we were here or in Virginia, um, while she had to do that. But she like made so many sacrifices to make sure that our world wasn't just, you know, in a block, like of just a, you know, a block. She said, she set her goals when we were younger. She said she wanted to have a house. And at the time, it was like, how's this, you know, single mom with two children um, working at like a summer camp? How are you going to buy a house? And like, I remember her being like, we're going to buy a house. Like, we're, we're getting a house. And her working so hard to make that happen. We get the house and then the house burns down a couple years later. And she still was like, this is our house. So we're going to, this is going to, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let you finish, Taylor. But after this house was finished, we're going to build another one and we're going to have this house. And it's just seeing someone that determined to just like, and I know it wasn't easy. Like the older I get, the more I know it wasn't easy, but I know it wasn't easy. And because of, I, I saw in her just uh, an example of like, like pursuing something and persistence and like advocating for yourself. And just, I just saw the type of person that she is it has really shaped how I am. So that's basically how, why I am this way. Why I am this way. Mom, <laughs> um, um, it's your fault. She can't complain about me traveling. It's really her fault when you think about it. <laughs> Shut up. I just spiked it, boo. <laughs> <laughs> when you do go to a new place, how do you like to explore? Oh, my very favorite thing to do is I get a map like a written map. I don't use GPS and I just walk around. We just walk around and get lost using our little like etched out map. And it's funny because like if we speak Spanish, we're in a, a Spanish speaking country. It's perfect because we can figure it out. But like when we're in like, when I was in France and I had to do that, it was like frustrating. And everyone's always like, why don't you just use the app? And it's like, because you can explore so much if you're sitting, like if your feet are on the ground and you're just looking around, like, you know? So when every, the first time I get to a city, I get to my hotel or my hostel or my couch surfing or my friend's house or the Airbnb or wherever. 
I put my stuff down and then I always use the map that I get from the airport and I just wander to a couple places just to get acquainted and to really like see the people who live there. And if, I mean, like when I went to Paris, I just went and got like a croissant and a, and a coffee and just sat in a square and was like, this is, would you look at this, Paris, you know, <laughs> like it's just so, um, <laughs> that's like, I mean, I'm serious. Would you look at this? <laughs> Would you get a look at all these French people? Just everyone is French. All these people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, I'm serious. Like, I know, okay. but it's just so funny. Well, well <laughs> gosh darn. Check this out. Check this out. They are all really speaking French. That is just new to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like to, you know, like get a map, like a physical map, and then try to wander around the city. That's always my first thing. All right, Miss Devin, I always invite my guests to share with listeners how you would like to be supported in your work. So let them know if there's a website or a specific yeah. piece of content or, and go. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, so sorry. Mm. So sorry. Back to <laughs> my <bad. laughs> Um, One more very important question is yeah. how do you like to celebrate? Ooh, how do I like to celebrate? I like to dance. And like, it doesn't mean it has to be a party. Like if I make a lemon meringue pie from scratch and like it, the, the, the top is, you know, perfect and everything looks good. I might like dance when I take a little bite, but like, I just like dancing. Like there's something about, it just feels so good. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. So when I celebrate, I love to dance and listen to like, whatever is around me or not. Like, I just like dancing. Dancing is my celebration always. Come on, dance-abration. <laughs> <laughs> and also, so, do you ship pies? Uh, I ain't never met anybody that made no. You ship I, pre- I prefer a sweet potato, but I'll take a lemon meringue. Listen, let me be full disclosure. I'm just in the quarantine picking up baking. I, I can Oh, cook. you're a quarantine baker. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Quarantine bakers unite. No, I can cook. <laughs> I can cook food because yeah. as a West Indian, you've got to learn. You can't leave that kitchen without knowing how to make things pop. I'm pretty sure it. y'all born with like a scotch bonnet pepper in hand. Like in hand. Out the womb. <laughs> With your seat, <laughs> the structure, scotch bonnet pepper. But I always wanted to be able to like bake because I feel like baking is like an art. No shade to cooking, but like baking is like a science. Like you got to measure well, it, everything. Yeah, it literally is. Like if the measure yeah. is off, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. So I, that's why I decided to pick up baking. Lemon meringue was the first thing that I made. I'm actually going to post that video. That was the first dessert that I made. That seems really which, difficult, though. Oh, I was about to say, which is the one of the <laughs> hardest. <laughs> like, it's not cookies. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not chocolate chip. It's not. I don't know uh, why I just went full throttle. I was like, ooh, yeah, you know lemon meringue. Especially lemon like, meringue. <laughs> The top needing to be, what is it called? Charred or? Yeah, girl. Oh. <laughs> it the is. taste was good. The taste, the taste like, was I'm going to make croissants from scratch. <laughs> I hear literally, yo, full disclosure, that was the second runner up. I was like, Jeez, I'm going to make one of my You are an overachiever for real. 
And I was like, okay, croissants might be a reach. I'll go with the lemon meringue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I feel like macaroons was on there for like a second too. Wow. I just was tripping for a minute, but it's wow. Like, it's like when you travel, you're like, oh, you know what I could go for? A French croissant. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I, yeah, I didn't do that one. But yeah, so I will, you know, maybe I'll get a shipping business. Some All right. Cities and pies. I got one customer. <laughs> um, so yeah, what do I, so, okay. Uh, like I mentioned before, I do have a YouTube channel. Um, it's Ready, Set, Fro. That's the name of the YouTube channel. Um, so go there to follow, um, our travels and, um, I always try to share like tips and tricks and things there. I also have an Instagram page, ready, set, bro. Um, and that's where I'd like to do my micro blogs about experiences that I've had while traveling. And also recently I've actually started consulting as a digital PR, um, a digital PR consultant. So I have about 10 years experience in that field and I've um, kind of built up a really good clientele, shockingly enough, um, during this quarantine. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to be moving that forward and, and taking that and turning into like a business and getting all of the legal things done for that. But that'll be launching a little bit later this year. Um, but yeah, so Ready, Set, Fro. Um, YouTube, Instagram, and on the Instagram, you can contact me for digital PR needs that you may have. Work. So I will have links <laughs> to all of your stuff in the show notes. Thank you, Devin. Thank you, Wanda. So much for your time. I love meeting just kindred hearts across the globe. <laughs> Lighten the world up. <laughs> Well, you take very good care of yourself and have a gorgeous evening, night. I guess it's full on night there now. It is. It's 1040. Yes. (laughs) Have a good day. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.